0: Interesting conversation, where health and corporate meets, and I suppose a lot of corporate entities are going to be it's all about the bottom line, and it's all about saving costs, and it's, you know, really from a financial point of view. Here we are talking with Anna, and she is a wellness pioneer with a corporate chain of hotels called Six Census. And they are bringing very innovative and pioneering techniques into the corporate world for both their employees and their guests. This is one I'm intrigued with because, you know, in terms of the philosophy and everything else, and of course, I'm joined here by Daniel Paulson, who is my normal co-host. So welcome Anna. Can you give us a little bit of background and just see how the conversation flows? So yeah, from the perspective of getting inside the minds of Six Senses, and what does it mean for the employees and what will that mean for the guests and where do you think it's all going in terms of six senses in five years time and 10 years time. So we have plenty to talk about. So yeah, welcome.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting times right now um, because we're seeing, and I've worked a lot with, um, a couple of years ago I started to work with Harvard actually in the medical school of Chan. And I was so amazed that they actually wanted to work with us and myself because wellness has been such a quasi scientific uh, way of looking at things. And scientists normally wants to just isolate something and research that so they can make some kind of uh, conclusions from that isolated. But they said, we've come to the realization that everything is holistically put together in one one kind of box, so we can't isolate. It makes it much more complicated. It is that
0: information didn't, didn't crawl into the field of medicine, but let's go on.
1: Well, the, the good thing, I mean, I've been in this industry for 25 years. And just 10 years ago, the medical doctors would just call wellness woo woo. It was something that was non scientific. You do it because it's placebo. That's what I always heard the first 10 to 15 years. And suddenly now medical field has started, is interested. We do not have a problem finding medical doctors who want to work with us and want to look at preventative. And it has kind of seen the light that what you eat, how you breathe, how you sleep actually has something to do with how you are, because that was obviously not the norm. So it's it's really changing. So I'm, in one way, okay, one would hope it changed quicker, but it is really changing because before we were like witches and, and my father was a medical doctor and of the old school. So he always said, uh, when we talked his his wife had some um, issues with inflammation. Well, obviously he didn't say inflammation disease, of uh, rheumatoid arthritis. But he, and I said, you really, maybe should look at what you eat because you are eating a very inflammatory diet. And he just like, that has nothing to do with it. It's medication, Anna. It's medication. And don't try to sell this quasi scientific things because it's just completely wrong. What you eat has nothing to do with rheumatoid arthritis. So there was no point. There was absolutely no point. But today it is a change, which is really wonderful to see, even if one hope it would be different. Well, I can look at the negative, but I would say there is definitely a change.
0: It's great. It's amazing to see the change happening, you know. Um, so for, for the corporate world, how did you get involved with this, by the way, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Well, I was always in wellness and I started in fitness doing personal training and uh, all the aerobic instructors and spinning and all of these things. And then I thought, OK, I got to get myself a real job. So I finally went uh, when I was 23 to university and studied, uh, did a master degree in finance, and uh, um, so then, and then when I got out, I started to build a gym chain here in Sweden, I was, uh, called Sats, so, uh, opened the first one, and kind of started to be part of that, so it was, my my father wasn't too happy, because he wanted me to work at McKinsey, or Boston, or somewhere else, which I could have done, but. I chose the the uh, with my heart instead. So that's how I got into the corporate world. And that was just in the pivotal world when gyms changed from isolated basement places to becoming big uh, business. And we got purchased by 24 hour fitness, the world's largest fitness uh, chain. And then that's how kind of it then I went on this was 20 over 20 years ago i did a 10 day silent meditation with vipassana mm, so and that right. worked,
0: oh, brilliant yeah
1: yeah it's brilliant but that changed everything because then i realized oh my god um uh, physical fitness is far from everything you need to do have to spiritual mental and and uh, uh emotional fitness as well so to speak or health so that changed and uh, Took a, I did many of those vipassanas through the years until I got children. Then they stopped because it doesn't work. But no, so, so I think that's really where it's gone. I got into the corporate world because I did business studies and then things has just flown into various things, being in the right place at the right time and uh, started my own company together with some others, sold it. So it's just uh, those type of things. That's just the, the especially in the early days, people who knew wellness were not business oriented. So for me to have both of those one leg in each, that really helped.
0: It's very important. That, that is
2: what's interesting. I, I see you you have those two worlds because like you said, normally you have the ones that are into wellness, they're here and then you have business people. But you, you came from a little bit of a, at least academic wise, financial background and then you moved into the wellness space. And would you say that, because uh, Sats is, very, is and was very successful. Would you say that Sixth Sense is, is to some degree where Sats were 25 years ago, but now you have much more. Now you have sleep and breathing and many more things in your arsenal. Uh, would, would that be a fair comparison that the maturity has evolved over 20 years?
1: It has, but Sats, to be honest, hasn't developed much. It's still a fitness center. And... Uh, the biggest so I don't think they become a lot more holistic unfortunately they I think fitness centers could be so much more whereas Six Senses is very holistic because it looks at all aspects yep. but that so. doesn't look at either um, emotional uh, spiritual or or uh, mental fitness and it doesn't look at even really nutrition or other physical parts so I would say it is it, it's hard to compare it but i would say that because and also it's a very different six senses is a luxury hotel which mm. is literally excels beds mm. and experiences and uh but we're very wedded to sustainability which sats isn't either really mm. uh in that sense so for us it's really a holistic way of looking. We call it integrated wellness because wellness is integrated in everything we do. Most hotel companies, you know, you have food and beverage, you have a spa and you have a fitness center and that's the wellness. Where at Six Senses, we have wellness everywhere, how we build the hotels, uh, how sustainability meets wellness, how we do the sleep experience in the room. So all of those, as well as the programming that doesn't necessarily need to happen within the spa and the fitness. So it's, it's a much more holistic approach and also looking much more to environmental fitness because I know that for instance, with breath, there's one thing to breathe right, but also the air should be clean that you breathe because that's, uh, that's really important. So uh, even we have tourism here in Sweden, for instance, where people come here. I met an Indian family two years ago that's like what brought you here and he says we chose sweden because they have clean air and we wanted to see how it was and you're like okay that's that's the first time i've ever heard that so i think it's both looking at their mind what air do you actually breathe inside your bedroom when you sleep and then there is the technique of breathing as well i'm just
0: thinking i'm just trying to get my head if i was a hotel developer and if somebody approached me and said that we're going to make sure that the air is really clean and we're going to build this hotel according to these specs, and we're going to bring in all this wonderful stuff. I'd be wondering if was it financially feasible. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into that? Like in terms of, did you feel it was a risk or did you feel that, how did you know that the market was ripe and what sort of people do you typically attract to Six Senses?
1: Well, when it comes to developers that want to develop a hotel and then they approach, usually they there's more and more people who have challenges within their medical and wellness uh, journey through life. So they've realized that wellness is a very important part of being well or curing their disease, et cetera. So they're bred up and then they say, okay, I want something that matched my values. And therefore, so most of our developers actually are passionate about this and realize this is their this the wealth they have is is as much their health wealth and health are the same thing so i think that's one thing but then there is also people the growing interest of wellness and knowing that wellness in 70s was a new world no one knew what that was it's a fairly new world in our vocabulary but the growth of wellness the last couple of years is that people want to go and be well so for people with the money side, also say it's a no-brainer. So I think that is, is one. What with the people that we attract to Six Senses are people who are most of their curious. They've done a lot of them. I mean, our hotels are costly and they've done all the normal bling and they're tired of that. When they want to have real experience. For them, luxurious. We have chicken farms in every most of our location, if possible. Wow. So for them, luxurious to... Go and pick their eggs, and put their name, and then eat it for, and and then they have it cooked for breakfast. Or go to the organic garden and pick uh, food, and then make their meal together with their family. That is luxury, and not to get everything served with, uh, you know, very highbrow servants. That is there are there. So I think those are the people, and then they want to. They're curious and want to see. Okay, walk barefoot. And that is really good for your health breathe differently uh, sleep well and they get this so they literally they come and they come in one person and they leave another and they've learned something whether small or big during the way mm-hmm. and i think that and also we those people who are wanting to do good because we've been plastic free i want to say plastic free but we've had an aim to be plastic free our goal is to be plastic free by 2022 Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and and we haven't had plastic bottles for the last 10 years. We have our own water bottling plants. So we're looking at cling wrap and kitchen. We've stopped all Suvid food cooking since several years back. I don't know any other hotel chain that does that because otherwise you cook Suvid, you cook in plastic. And that's what most restaurants all find dining because then you get a perfect results for your meat or your fish or anything. Um, we stopped that many years ago because obviously the microplastic goes in into the food when you cook in it, especially Mm. heating plastic is really Mm. uh, bad for you. So people that are
0: necessarily disclosed though, when you go to a fine restaurant that you could be eating plastic that's leached into the food.
1: No, it's not. Um, And, and just all the way on how we store food in our kitchens, all the plastic container and then talking when we get delivered meat For instance, it's not to wrap it in plastic. So, beauty products, coffee capsules. I mean, it's a it's -hmm. a quest. But we've been doing this for quite some time, and right now we're into we call it the uh, the dirty eighteen because we had students that come in and did their master's thesis and looked at everything what was the most plastic we still had in our hotels, and and coffee capsules was the most. So. That's not being eradicated.
0: Well, wow. that's amazing. So this is the hotel of the future in terms of sustainability. I,
1: I think so. When it comes to sustainability, there are many individual hotels that has owners that are passionate that are doing amazing, amazing things. But I haven't seen any chain that is up to the level of Six Senses. How, how,
2: hmm. how do you work with? With that as a, as a business model because if you you say you started 10 years ago with reducing plastic and all that if you take too many costs it's it, you have of course your hotels are very expensive but if you're too far ahead of the curve people may not be willing to pay for it you market that to to your uh, clients that you're doing all these things so they know kind of what they're paying for uh
1: we do, and we don't want to be, so to speak, tree huggers too much. We want to more have it there. It's the same with wellness. You don't have to. Uh, if you're not interested in wellness, what we have is that we have a sleep doctor and a sleep prof- and a jet lag professor that's helped us with how do we build our our bedrooms, what's the bed you sleep in, and it's organic, no plastic, no polyester, or anything that you breathe in. And it's also looked at temperature-wise in the bed, the ecosystem, as well as the pillows. I cannot tell you how many pillows we sent to Dr. Bruce, for instance. He basically said no to probably 50 pillows before we had these ones that say, yeah, these are good for sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had all these pillows that would say super good for sleep, you know, they, blah, blah, blah. So pe- people are not interested in, in wellness, but they come to a 6 senses and they feel better. It's organic food. They sleep in a room which is really built for sleep with temperature and blackouts and everything. So they might not do much, but they feel better, and therefore they want to come back. And then you have those that want to dive deeper. So we do, but we don't try to be too much tree huggers. We just have it. Um, It's like the Grand Hotel here in Stockholm, one of the most sustainable hotels we have in Sweden, but they don't really talk about it. It's just something that they are. Mm. Um, So I think that's what we are also trying to do. But we do tell them, and they obviously see that there's no plastic. And even when you go to the Maldives, I was there over New Year's, you, you get an email before you come and say, please don't bring any plastic. And if you do, please bring it back with you. Mm. And don't don't bring any um, sunscreen that kills the reefs and the fish. Because the amount of sunscreen we dump that are toxic into the one thing is putting it onto ourselves and get endocrine disruptors and all these things that we get. But so many tons of sunscreen that just kills the wildlife under in the ocean is horrible. So, so those are the things that we tell the guest. And then they like, Oh my God, my Navia sunscreen is not good. Why isn't I've used it all my life. And then they start thinking and understand and read and they say, okay, we're killing the ocean, but I'm also slowly killing myself with the sunscreen.
2: Could, yeah. Could, could you tell, uh, tell us how you work with that as far as uh, when it comes to the classes or courses you offer guests that arrive there in terms of your complete offering? How do you, do you have it during the week or uh, before they come after at all? Like how, What type of offers do you have uh, for, for clients that come to your hotels?
1: Well, we have this general, lots of lectures, and we try to make it a lot of fun. So when it comes to sustainability, we, for instance, have so many sustainability stuff where you make uh, pots out of old towels, or you take crushed glass and make Christmas ornaments and stuff like that. So we do a lot of interesting, fun craft stuff with this. And then we have talks, a lot of talks, but when it comes to programming as well, we have something where we call integrated wellness uh, programming, where we measure a person's biomarkers through a medical FDA uh, licensed device. So it's accurate. And uh, we do that non-invasively because we don't have, we can't take blood and urine and stuff in the Maldives because there's no lab there. Um, so we have a device where we use bioimpedance oximeters uh, which also does the hrv um, uh, we do pulse wave analysis galvanic skin response blood pressure all these things and get it into a system where we very much know and we've compared it with blood tests and others through the through the years it's a medical device but we use it for wellness so that we can get a very good understanding of the person's Wellness status and where the strengths and weaknesses are. And then when it's every guest, when it's something in it for them, then they're interested in learning more. So, and we've seen post COVID in our locations is that these wellness screening is skyrocketing because people are wanting to know what's my wellness status. And not that, because if you don't feel sick and you go to the doctor, you only know if you get a disease. But here you know. Oh, my, I'm low on magnesium, or I'm actually slightly depressed, or I'm too stressed. Um, overweight, we usually know, because it's such a simple measurement. So then you go into a journey of experiences. It's often with our guests is that when you understand it for yourself, and I would say, I mean, it's the same question to you, Patrick. When do people, when does breath click for people? When, how do you get them to to actually, it must be when they see what a results they get for themselves.
0: Well, I suppose the first since 2002, we put it out there mainly for people with asthma and for sleep issues and for anxiety. So, that the tendency that we put it out there for helping these individuals, we drew those people into the courses. But since 2013, 2014, with Oxygen Advantage, we tweaked breathing for high performance. So now we get healthy people with oxygen advantage, and we also that use it for respiration. So last night I had a workshop for um, for people with asthma and bronchiectasis and COPD. So I think sometimes it's it's the terminology and it's how we phrase it and how we put it out there. And I really like the point that you made about tree huggers because I think tree huggers, in actual fact, have given many things a bad rap. Mm. You know, because there's these connotations that you know there's nothing when people are talking about wellness oftentimes there's been so many false claims there's been so many dodgy kind of things going on and breathing as well was occupying that space and that's the last few years that breathing has really come out and came to the fore and bringing in sleep as well sleep wasn't talked about either um Mm -hmm. So Anna, the type of people that are coming to the hotel, so I can imagine a corporate CEO coming in and he or she is under a lot of stress all the time. Do they get shocked when they see their markers? They're, say they're 45, 50 years of age and um, they, they have the wellness and the next thing is they're saying, oh my God, this, 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 this. I need to really improve. Um, do you ever see that? or Are people kind of taken aback by finding out something that you think, even though they feel okay, but their markers are showing that this needs improvement. Do they take it well?
1: Mm, uh, we've had, uh, and I'm going to uh, put myself in a bad position here because why shouldn't it be judgmental, but sure. middle age male business leaders, when they get negative markers who feel that they are at are good, they just don't believe in it. They're angry, they can get very upset. And in particular, because when you measure these biomarkers, they are for what is it today? So if you've had a dinner with lots of wine the night before, uh, Mm. your inflammation markers are pretty high. And we can really show that what you've eaten, if you had a big steak and wine dinner, and uh, then, then your markers of inflammation, and they're like, this is not correct. Uh, it's not right. Uh, we have a lot, we have a couple, I just don't believe in this screening. It's uh, a cross and it doesn't matter what any, just kind of mm. the, 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 so I, I would say we do get that, but more often we get the amazement of surprise. And especially when we have medical doctors, who know or has done or someone who's done in like an executive, executive health screening and literally what they're saying. And then they get the same results, but in 15 minutes. And they're like, Oh my God, I paid several thousand dollars for an executive health screening. And here you're saying exactly the same thing, but such simple. So that's mainly that
2: mm-hmm.
1: doctors and experts or people who's done this and know themselves pretty well, they get absolutely shocked on how accurate, it actually it is, uh, so we got those. But otherwise, it's mainly women is somehow better and like, oh my god, oh is it that? Okay, I need to work on that. Whereas men just like, don't blame it.
0: Yeah, men um, until something goes wrong, until their leg is hanging off, then we decide to do something about it. That's just that's the way we are, unfortunately, good or bad. Would you say Anna that
2: is? Are most people coming there and experiences that kind of for the first time, or is it more of an extension that you're already very healthy and it's just an extension of that's where you want to travel to? You don't want to travel to the normal destinations and hotels, or you have 50-50 of both?
1: I would say we have 50-50 of both, and there's often uh, those that are interested in their health already are the ones that goes and tries this. We've had numerous of either the husband or the wife uh, persuade their spouse to do this. They've done it. They love it. They go there and then they get, we have people sometimes that uh, extend their stay for weeks when, when the wife, I have one where the wife made their husband wanted to do diving in the Maldives to go and do this. And then he was like, "Oh my God! Okay, let's book another week." So they stayed on for another week, and then it went so well with the results they were getting, so they did another week. So we get a lot of those of where they go into a specific program, but it's also what we see is we're not a destination plan. What we see with behavioral science, if people want to make changes to their life, to do the 180 degrees doesn't really work in the long term. You need to do small steps. So for us. If we can teach someone um, just some small tips on how to apply and become better when they get back home, then they see the results and then they want to build and they want to build and they want to build. And then they come to a much better space. But as we know, after New Year, when everyone rushes to the gym and does the 180 degrees and it lasts for a month, two months, and then you're back to where you started. So for us, it's also to do a bit of a milder and just teaching them. And sleep is is a simple Mm -hmm. way to do that with so we focus a lot on sleep because when people can understand why they have problems sleeping and how easy it is to fix it, that is like, oh my God. And then you when you start to sleep well, your brain starts working better and then you want to do more. So it's it's that incremental. But they already most people have already dipped a toe and then they either go further or they persuade someone who they think really should do this and it's a non-invasive simple easy way to do it and we have a we always have at least two very well educated experts on every location that can talk to the guest on that level that understands anatomy and physiology on a higher level a minimum of five year degree of some kind of Mm -hmm. exercise physiology or doctor or naturopath or somewhere of that level and we also have a university, general university degree yoga teacher, which means as a yoga teacher, you have yoga teachers and yoga teachers, but you need to know what every move does to your nervous system, to your, the whole way of, of what that, what actually happens when you do a twist. So that's a level because we also do result-oriented yoga for, you know, anything from cancer to sleep. We have sleep yoga. We have Detox yoga, so and that's different types of yoga for different types of ailments or results that you want.
0: Mm. It would be very interesting to have, sorry, Daniel, um, sleep clinic, because a lot of these guys that you're saying that don't necessarily believe the results, sleep apnea is quite common, especially in the middle-aged cohort, male-driven, and a um, simple polysomnography, and showing them that you've had an AHI of 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 events per hour. And that would be an interesting one. And then giving strategies to help reduce it because I think the sleep market sleep sleep apnea is very much underdiagnosed. It's estimated that up to 90% of individuals are not diagnosed and, um, 50% of people with sleep apnea are not overweight. So they, they don't meet the typical criteria, and 25 percent of them don't experience neither subjective nor objective sleepiness. But it still has its toll on the heart: high blood pressure, increased risk of stroke, increased risk of heart attack. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm just thinking it's, it's amazing, really, the more you, you think of the application, that it's, it's very practical as well. And um, yeah, a time out. I think it's necessary as well to make those changes that you have to get out of your environment. Because if you're in your environment all the time, you you get too caught up with the day-to-day activities. But when you're taken out of the environment and you have seven days, and you have seven days to give attention to yourself, because in the Western world, we don't necessarily have all that much time to give attention to ourselves. So many things are taking our attention. And I know recently there was a report that came out even with social media and mobile phones, how it's causing burnout because people are constantly switched on. They're constantly expected to be responding to WhatsApp messages, emails, text alerts, social media alerts, and all of this is going on 24-7. And to take somebody out of that environment and to put them into a new environment and say, this is for you. Now you can place some attention on yourself and it's time that you give yourself some attention. And that is wonderful. And it's a little bit like the Vipassana technique that you spoke about earlier on. You put away the car keys, you put away the wallet, you're meditating. There's a guy banging, banging a bang outside the door, whatever, half four in the morning. And you're listening to SN Goenka. And you know what? It's pretty good. So it is. It's nice to do that. Yeah
1: it's the best i mean it must have been the same for you when you did it the first time Is it's by far the best thing to sit 10 days silent and look inwards yes. and to get to know yourself which is not always a pleasant experience
0: yes well i found the physical posture really excruciating and it's almost that you're surrendering into it and somebody asked me what did it feel like and i know i shouldn't be kind of mentioning it because i don't want to put anybody off it's a wonderful experience to do it But sitting in the lotus position for 10 days, um, then my legs absolutely got so sore. And here's the challenge. You're feeling extreme discomfort and you're you're training the, the mind not to react to the discomfort. And it's a great tool in terms of training the brain that then when you meet stress in your everyday life, that you would think that your ability then that you're not reacting to the situation because you've already trained the brain not to react to extreme discomfort. It's very clever, Anna, you know, Mm. I tell you a story, I was working out and I suppose I was doing the, the food at another Vipassana going back, I don't know, 10 years ago. And this guy pulls up in the car and, um, he was boxed in. I said, well, I said, if you had to leave in in an emergency, you know, um, you'd be better off not being boxed in, but I think the very fact that I sent that to him, I, I planted a message that he wasn't going to complete the ten days. And about three or four days into it, the same guy getting into his car, driving off. So I don't know if I messed up his vipassana experience, but anyway, it's not for everybody, but it's a great yeah. experience at the same time.
1: Yeah, I would recommend. But it, yeah, you have to be called for it to do it. Yes. Like all of these things, and, and but it is absolutely, and they say three to four days. I've also done the food at once actually, and, mm. and uh, it's that is a great experience to, to understand and see all the nuances in a different way.
0: Yeah, but you know, the funny thing is, and I, you know, it's you see people who are meditating, but they don't necessarily carry it into their everyday life. If we're in that environment, we should also be realizing that in terms of bringing a stillness and the quietness of the mind and bringing our attention into present moment, it's not just while we're sitting on the mat or doing, you know, sitting down, but we're taking it into our everyday life. And I've seen the kitchens in Vipassana that there will be tension inside the kitchen. And I'm thinking, this is the human state that they're doing meditation outside on the mat, And inside the mind is going cracked again. And that is the challenges of the mind. How do we bring this state into our everyday life? And those that do are those that succeed. And I, you know, in terms of concentration and focus and attention span, this really comes into being here because you spoke about sleep, you spoke about breathing, you spoke about nutrition. You cannot have focus of the mind unless you have good sleep, good breathing, and good nutrition. I don't know all that much about nutrition, sleep and breathing we work with. And I will put them down as the pillars, the pillars of concentration and attention span. And everybody needs that regardless of whatever endeavor we do in life, whether we are running a family or the teenager in school or the university student or the corporate worker, we need the capacity to hold our attention on one thing, which is concentration. And we need to be able to hold our attention on one thing for a period of time, which is attention span. Society demands it, but nobody teaches us how. And this is why I like the spiritual end of it that you're bringing into the hotels as well, that you're giving these people these tools that they can take away with them. That it's not just the experience inside the hotel, because oftentimes we go on a holiday, we have great time, but we need we need we nearly need to relax when we come back from holiday as opposed to going on holiday as a true recuperation and then learning tools there that you can take outside and into your everyday life yes yeah, it's, it's it's interesting
1: and that, that you mentioned the spirituality part i think that is also something that's very i do want to add one thing i think sleep breathing and hydration drinking good water is also we know that even before if we feel thirsty we're dehydrated and the brain functions so much less than the the water exchange in the cells so hydration i think but i think going into spirituality which is important and i think that's been something that's been neglected because it's thought of as being religious but it's more about having a purpose of life or having finding what makes your heart sing so we've uh, we have a program called Reconnect With Your Heart, for instance, where you learn gratitude. You get a gratitude journal. So you write gratitude every day, just three, four points. I'm not much for journaling, but I can write what I'm grateful for and always not just thinking it's my kids and the sun, but it's, it's uh, small things that I saw that beautiful bee and whatever it could be. But what that change to your uh, your whole brain structure, your mood, all of those things that are incredibly important for us. And I think this pandemic has shown us that what is important for our heart, like friends and family and connection, finding joy. I saw in the times covers, like the quest of finding joy in life. That's what's important. We see that working from home and, and being with our family, being out in nature is so much more important. And these are all things that is part of the spiritual spirituality of life and that's something that we want to teach our guests as well because they're searching and science has decided for instance that love is nothing that has any effect of our healing because you can't really measure it you can't get you can't put it in a box. But love is what all three of us and everyone listening to this is what we live for. We want to be loved, we want to love someone. That's the most important factor in life is love. And yet science has just kind of said that that has nothing to do. We know that people get healed with love or sick. So I think talking about love, uh, curiosity, and we know ideas doesn't come from science and and boxed in ideas come when we're driving a car in the shower, going out for a run because then we're not thinking we're not being scientific. So that is something that we are teaching our guests. And I, think that when it comes to longevity, for instance, which is some uh, one of my favorite topics nowadays, because now we know that aging is not a destination, it's a disease that we can we can change. We don't have to age in the way we do. So I think that curiosity, for instance, is one of the most important things. So we try to teach and talk about curiosity, because when you're curious, you don't judge people or yourself when you're curious you're open-minded and then it's not about uh, which country is doing the right thing with COVID so the vaccine good or bad or uh, you're wrong I'm right women are like this men are like that you whatever you're just curious and open and that means that you literally you live longer you can't actually be depressed if you're curious Science more
0: accepting is what you're saying
1: yes you're open
0: We don't know that we don't ever know the truth really, anyway. We're just kind of it's it's clouded by our own perceptions and conditioning and social social norms as we as we were brought up. Yeah. How do
2: you Anna How do you bring that deep dive from the hotel vacations into like Patrick said before, like everyday life? So you get that fantastic seven or fourteen days. And then you kind of are you are you left by yourself, or do you get tools to, to do this uh, on a continuing basis uh, after you leave?
1: We try to motivate and teach them what to do. So, for instance, with a gratefulness practice, is that every day before they go to bed, and uh, they are they look at um, what they're grateful for when they lay in bed and trying to go to sleep. Just think if you get that into your system. Now, the good thing is that it's also been shown that the last thing you think about before you fall asleep will be reflected in your dreams. So if you're falling asleep as you're worried about finances or your child or anything else that could be on your brain, you will potentially have nightmares about this. And we hate nightmares. So just that to tell people about that when it comes to sleep is that the last thought you have, and if you could make that thought being grateful thought, your dreams will become so much better. So, and then you get into that routine that every night you fall asleep, I think about the day and what I'm grateful for, not about all the issues that happened during the day. And then people get that and then they want to do that when they wake up. And if they do a gratefulness practice, one minute is max what it takes. That changes your whole morning so then people get into that and see oh my god it's such beneficial to look at 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 that so then we can add those small things so it's more giving them the tools and then that they can actually feel how that feels and so i think that's and then they continue it with back home and i have had so many of our guests especially when it comes to sleep where we're giving them small tips I, i met this lady a journalist actually, has been to Douro Valley in Portugal and and, uh, she had been on sleep meds, been on sleep doctors, all kinds of things for such a long time. And she was dehydrated. She hated to drink water throughout the day. So we put up this, all these flavored waters. We did water tastings with her, all kinds of things as we drank more teas, cold teas, warm teas. And a year later, I met with her. It's just you changed my life. Where I'm off sleep meds, I'm off everything, and I sleep well. And it was only because I drank too little water during the day. That was her whole problem. So teach them this, and then they start to change their lives, because it has a profound effect. I think that's the the most the, the main message I would say. It's when the it
0: experience of it.
1: Yeah, it's getting See? them
0: through it that they feel the difference.
1: Bite size. So it's, I think it's the same with breath. To do this really hard thing, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I remember many years ago when I did this study with Anders on breath, and I had to learn to go out and do cross-country screening with a taped mouth. And that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I think... But if you do it in small bites, like when you start running again, after you've been off running, you walk for one minute you run for one minute, yes. and then you, or yes, whatever. You
0: have to adjust to it. And also, I suppose we have to bear in mind that there, the human body is so unique and people very much breathe differently. People with a history of trauma breathe differently than those that have a relatively comfortable experiences. People, even as children, if they had near drowning difficulties or in a swimming pool, Um, hormonal changes in females don't get considered as we put on a bit of weight, especially with females, it can change breathing patterns. So we really do have to tailor the breathing exercise. And I've made plenty of mistakes with this one. I remember, you know, people coming in with chronic fatigue and I'd give them breathing exercise and I would totally floor them, you know, because I wouldn't take into consideration. Of course, I knew they were tired but I didn't didn't realize the degree of reserve that they had. They just didn't have the energy reserve. So it's always a balance of targeting the autonomic nervous system. And on one hand, you do want to increase parasympathetic tone and to help them to relax. But on the other hand, we want to stress them a little bit. And we do that even with chronic fatigue, but it's knowing where to relax them and where to stress them. And with human beings, this is about resilience, developing this balance in terms of with the autonomic nervous system, the automatic functioning of the body. And it is, it's a little bit of an art. And I suppose it's the degree of depth, as you said earlier on, you can have yoga teacher, but not all yoga teachers are the same. And I remember a guy saying, talking about anybody can be a tattoo artist. Not that I have any tattoos or anything, but anybody can be a tattoo artist but not everybody can be a great tattoo artist. And this is what we have to bear in mind with different people in different occupations. It's all about degrees of success.
1: I agree. That is, that's well said.
0: You'll remember the tattoo guy.
1: <laughs> I will.
0: <laughs>
1: From good to great.
0: I think that that is why
2: I, I, would, I would argue almost that greening uh, is the ultimate habit. And, having that gas pedal and brake using your autonomic or parasympathetic system is great because you always have it with you. So you can always work with it, although it it takes time. So what type of, uh, uh, yoga is great, but normally people view yoga as something you do in the morning or at night. And what Patrick and I have been discussing a lot is actually to bring in breathing to every second of your life, to have awareness at work in your activities because it's always there, it's not, it's like I told Patrick the other day, it's the main show, it's not a side show, mm. so you need it the whole time, so I think it's, and you, it can help you solve a lot of things, if you, if health issues, but also concentration, and so on, so what type of, you have, I guess, breathing workshops, or yoga workshops, as well, that are focused on, on breathing, to some extent, I'm, I'm guessing, as well,
1: we do. And uh, I mean, we do a lot of pranayama work. It's one. It's, I mean, yoga is actually the art of breath more than the art of movement. Mm-hmm. And so most yoga teacher, when they go in deeply to yoga, say that's much more important than the, the movement is just supplementing the breath and the breath is everything. And I think it's about learning on how to breathe. I think the, the difficult thing and what I would love to, because I was trying to find something like a desktop app for breathing for myself where if I would have a little round circle because I sit in front of the computer as you guys probably do most of the day. And I forget to breathe consciously all the time. But if there would be a little circle that says, breathe in, breathe out, like just a small one in this Mm. corner or somewhere,
2: Mm.
1: I would, I would promise you I'd breathe. I mean, if you can do this and people can download it and just do five and a half seconds in five and a half seconds out or whatever, that would you could either put it into your optimal HRV breathing mm-hmm. pattern. Mm-hmm. That yes. would be. we will have so, it
0: the new app, and it's a good point that you raise. You know, email apnea is fairly common. People are so focused on what they're doing that they stop breathing, but <clears throat> it may precede a period of hyperventilation. So what we want to do is really train the brain to have regular breathing patterns, and one way yeah. to do it would be breathing in for five seconds, out for five. But I suppose the other thing is it's always about balance. When we're counting the breath in for five seconds and out for five, we don't want the person taking these full big breaths because this can contribute to hyperventilation. So it's almost that we want the balance between light and slow and and deep. And again, you know, this hasn't been necessarily taken into consideration. There's a very good book on Pranayama called Restoring Pranayama. And it was written by a yoga instructor, Robin Rottenberg. And she went back to the, Breathing as how the yogis developed it, and the word is subtle. And breathing subtle is breathing light, and it's about conservation of the breath, conservation of prana. But oftentimes that's forgotten about in the teachings of yoga in the Western world. So, yeah, I believe yoga has such a tremendous application with breathing. So, Anna, I'm very conscious of your time. So, I'd say in the next couple of minutes we'll come. At it, come at it. So, can I ask the future of six senses in five or 10 years time, or whether the hotels in general will follow in your footsteps, because clearly this chain is absolutely a pioneer. And the risk is always with pioneers that you're bringing out something new. Innovators are introducing a new concept and after a period of time, other hoteliers are going to see what works and they're going to follow suit. Do you expect to see, will you be, you know, in terms of other people occupying this space, do you think it's going to become the norm what you're doing now?
1: I do. I I think what we've seen um, with plastic, like water bottling plants, for instance, on uh, hotels, is starting to become the norm everywhere. When I, 10 years ago, we were the only one who had that as no chain had anything like that. And, millions of water bottles just go through and I'm seeing more and more that this is becoming a norm. Um, I spoke to um, Elena Malmelfelt who works with us and supplies our integrated wellness screening devices. And she's been contacted by so many other hotels that want to have the same as Census. So slowly, slowly it's mm. following. So it's also a bit of a, a, you have to stay on top of that. And I think that, I think breath, um, and not only because I'm speaking to you today, you both, but I think breath is like a beautiful way in a segue into the, both the physical science and the spiritual world. Every spiritual master has also been a master of breath. I believe it's impossible mm-hmm. to go into that and in this day of psychedelics and all these things that people are looking at, actually, if you want to have a very uh, quick way into, to a psychedelic experience, you do that through your breath. Mm -hmm. I've had several psychedelic experiences with breath. And so it is really with breath, the meeting of, of both the spiritual and the physical world. So I think this is a segue, which is really interesting to the future is when people start experience what breath can do to you on a variety of ways, on an a increase of positive, like DMT and other things, or to calm your stress, or to get you into an alternate reality, or just physically health, I think people are going to follow that as well. So right now, I think breath, uh, everyone is into sleep now every hotel and it's been the magic magical why they haven't because that's what we, we sell sleep. That's like our main, but I think breath is going to be a big one. Um, I think longevity is going to be a big thing that people are going to follow because people want to live uh, healthier longer. So, so there's, so yeah, I think that in five ten years time, we're also going to have what I see with six senses is we're going to have a much greater marriage between, science wellness spirituality medical field working together we're already seeing this and I think hopefully what we're going to see that people are not relying on pharma and big pharma for their own personal health and wellness because usually when you take any type of pharmaceutical drug there is a negative side effect with a positive effect that you potentially can get so to stay away from that i think that's going to be if we're allowed um with their monetary interests interesting times right now but nevertheless i do think and i might be naively hopeful but that's where i see if things are going and i mean we haven't talked, i'm a shaman also or initiated a shaman and when we go on when I go on advanced courses of, you know, where you talk about that? There is no time or whatever in shop. There's the biggest group, work group, that's on these uh, advanced, highly advanced courses or discussions are medical doctors. So of all as, and then you have the rest is like one from here, one from there, but there's always about 25% medical doctors who really, they're seeing that um, in order to heal. You need to, and it's not enough for the physical world. Our, our best spinal surgeon in Sweden is a shaman. There's a reason for why he is the best spinal surgeon. And of course, he's very talented, but also he brings in the energy work. So you don't really talk about that that much. But so, so I do think that that meeting of environmental health, preventative health, spiritual health, and also medicine, because medicine has a lot of, and science, it has a lot of good, it has a lot of bad. But so I think that's, that's what we're going to see in the future and to be open for that um, and to be welcoming. I mean, myself, I've been cast out of the medical world as a charlatan because I'm a wellness person for many years. And I know I shouldn't sit there and say, no, you were not nice to me before. I'm not going to be nice to you now. Uh, it's like just welcome it and see. So I think that future is going to be really, really interesting to see how that comes together. And of course there's science and doctors and others that fight that because they want to have their truth, but curiosity will prevail, I think. And, and I I do think that that's where the future goes. And then others are following. You just have to be bold enough. We brought in shamanism into our, our locations. We have fire ceremonies that's based on shamanistic in every location, every week at Six Census nowadays. So, so, you're bringing in and then others follows mm-hmm.
0: so pretty, yeah. amazing. pretty amazing and on that note Daniel
2: no I mean it's a great uh, great end to that and I think you're absolutely right I think it's uh, it's a uh, it's a matter of uh, time uh, if you look back in history and uh, uh, what people said 100 years ago and today it's, it, it moves so fast so it could definitely happen in five to ten years so it'd be uh, very interesting to see uh, who follows in your industry and, and in a general corporate world as well. So uh, I think uh, it's, it's a very interesting time. So looking forward to see
0: that.
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much.
0: Anna, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.